glory. I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the womb wide ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played football for this team. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackled at the point of line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? I can. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, proud member of the Full-Time Fantasy Podcast Network. You can find them at FTF Podnet on Twitter. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. And, of course, you can find my illustrious co-host, Mr. Dennis Bennett, at Culture underscore Coach on Twitter. You can also find our podcast and many others, such as Jim Day of FF Champs, Adam Ronis, and Dr. Roto of SiriusXM, Bob Lung of the award-winning Fantasy Football Consistency Guide, Anthony Servino of FF Faceoff, and many great other podcasts on the FullTimeFantasy.com website. Check them out. All kinds of wonderful fantasy content for you guys on there today. For today's episode, we will be talking about our top 24 running backs. That's right, top 24. We did our top 24 quarterbacks in the last episode. Today, it is time to focus on the running backs. Of course, before I bring Dennis in here to talk about our top 24 running backs, we want to remind you that Dennis will be at the Midwest Fantasy Football Expo on August 18th at 12 o'clock at the Canton Cultural Center in Canton, Ohio. Amazing other podcasts will be there, guys. Rotovids, Fantasy Footballers, Dynasty Nerds, the Full-Time Fantasy Network, the network that we are a part of, the... Ball Blast Girls, all kinds of other, I believe, uh, Fantasy Diehard, a lot of other players and people are going to be there. There will be an after party. It is going to be a ball. Go there, show up. All kinds of free swag in the swag bag worth hundreds of dollars. If you use our code NIGHTS, K-N-I-G-H-T-S, you guys will get $5 off your tickets. Tickets are currently on sale for $20, which means you only have to pay $15. Again, you will get a free swag bag of over $100 worth of stuff anyways, so you're getting your money back right then and there. Definitely stop by our booth, the Fantasy Roundtable booth. Dennis will be there with all kinds of swag and all kinds of other cool stuff. Wish I could be there, but Dennis will be there representing us. We also will be at the Fantasy Football World Championship September 5th through the 8th in Las Vegas. Gentlemen, welcome to Las Vegas. Is that right? Everybody eating? Good. Everybody sober? Close enough. Remember what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. Ah, <laughs> except for herpes. That shit will come back with you. Some guys just can't handle Vegas. Fantasy Football Roundtable will be recording live on Radio Row on September 6th and 7th from the Palms Resort in Vegas. So if you guys have a chance to come out there, definitely come by and hit us up. We might even get you on live with us on the fan, on uh, Radio Row on the Fantasy Football Podcast. And then uh, we will be doing some live stuff from Twitter as well. With all that being said... Let's not waste any more time. Let's get Dennis in here so we can start talking about our running backs and some NFL news. Hello! What's going on, Dennis? How was your weekend? Man, I had a great weekend. Had a live, in-person, dynasty startup draft for the oh, for fuck's sake. (laughs) That's what I call it. The, the oh for fuck's sake league but it's actually the ohio fantasy football analyst draft had some very cool people in that uh charles chill mr scott connor and 
uh, Mean Mr. Mode, Brad Ray's, DFF Madman, Jeremy Brown's in the league, Curtis Goff, gosh, Slime Sucking Hogs, all these cool people from Twitter, The Third Mike from the Fantasy Football Breakdown, Bob Lung, Mr. Consistency himself. Yeah, I saw the picture of you guys up there. That that looked very cool. I imagine it was a lot of fun having all those experts there. Oh yeah, Chris Allen and Jay Mike check. It was pretty pretty phenomenal. How uh, what uh, what uh, who are the studs that you built your team around with that draft? Well, that draft or or that league, I should say, is a super flex league. Start eleven players, but you are only required to start one at each position. Oh, okay. So I come, I, I was in the 11th position, and I come out of the gate pretty hard. I uh, I went, uh, where's my team here? So I came out of the gate and selected Joe Mixon with the 11th pick. Um, came around the turn and grabbed Nick Chubb. So I started off running back, running back. Uh, came back in the third round at the 11th pick of the third round and went Aaron Jones. Very and turned nice the corner nice. and went David Montgomery. I started off with four running backs. Wow. So who did uh, who'd you take as a wide receiver? Who's your, I guess, best wide receiver and what round did you get them in? My wide receiver one is Allen Robinson. All right. Uh, Not bad. I- yeah, and I, you know, I, when I looked at it, I was at the 11th position, and I thought, you know, I'm not – it was Kentucky Derby style, so I, I had uh, – uh, I was like the sixth pick, and the first five pe- people all went one through five. So I knew right then I'm out on any of the big four running backs. Right. Unless I make a trade, I'm out of it. So I went ahead and selected the 11th spot so I could be near the back turn thought i'm gonna go for it there and let me just see what happens uh i went Allen robinson with my sixth or fifth pick um at that point there were 12 or 13 quarterbacks off the board and i took josh allen in the sixth round as my qb1 oh that's i love that value on allen i'm I'm, i love allen this year i think he's gonna be an awesome quarterback well, and then I followed up with Alshon Jeffrey in the seventh and then Drew Brees in the eighth. You know, it's a dynasty league, and I know it's easy to poo-poo the veterans, but I think uh, Alshon is going to have a good year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I think Wentz likes him. He's a big receiver as long as he can stay healthy. Um, Robbie Anderson is my wide receiver three. You got Michael Gallup, Zay Jones. Uh, Equinemia St. Brown. I did kind of miss on my tight end targets a little bit, and in the ninth, I ended up going with Mark Andrews. I like Andrews a lot, so uh, I, I was okay with that. Got Andy Dalton as my third quarterback. Um, other running backs I picked up, uh, Naheem Hines, Matt Breida, Mike Davis. Uh, you know, and then we're in like the 19th round, and I'm like, you know what? I, I've had guys that I've liked the last few rounds that I said, well, I'm going to wait one more round on them. And I, and I just, they didn't make it back to me. And so I was like, screw it. It's the 19th. 
11th pick of the 19th round. I'm just going to start taking my guys. So who do you think I went for? Ooh, that late. One of your guys, Quadri Allison? That is right. Oh, right. That's, That's exactly who I drafted. <laughs> who do you think I went for at the 2002? Wide receiver or running back? Because if it's wide receiver, my guess would be Preston Williams. That's exactly who it was. Ah, I'm like, well. fuck it. I'm going to take my guys here now. These are, you know, I, I believe in these two guys. I think they're going to get some opportunity. Uh, we're at, in 20 rounds into a 30-round draft. I've got a good starting 11. I've got a third startable quarterback. You know, the only thing, you know, Delaney Walker is my second tight end. So I think I might need to build a little bit of tight end depth. But I feel really good about my team. So, you know, it's a point one five per carry as well. Uh-huh. So those first four running backs should push for 17 to 20 carries a week. So that's going to give me two and a half or three points a week right there as a little bit of a boost. So I, I, I feel like I've built a pretty good team that I, I'm not sold on Drew Brees as my second quarterback. You know, when we did our quarterback rankings on the last show, I was pretty low on him because I feel like their volume is going to come down some. Yeah. I think last year was sort of the beginning of a trend where he's going to be a great NFL quarterback the next few years at the end of his career, but maybe not a great fantasy quarterback. But I, I really felt that I needed to take a shot, and uh, it was late enough. The quarterback, I, I, I wasn't going to get any – there really wasn't anything better at that point than Drew Brees, so I went with Brees there. And nothing wrong with that. I had him a lot higher than you did, obviously. I think I think he's going to be good for at least a year or two. Is it a, I'm assuming you said it was a dynasty, right, not a redraft? It is a dynasty. All right, so you'll be able to get a quarterback or so probably in the next couple of years. Maybe, maybe, I guess, depending on how competitive your team will be. I yeah, man, it was tough. I was targeting high. Dak and Cousins, and I got sniped on both of them. Well, that's awesome, though. I'm glad it looked like a lot of fun from the pictures that I saw and everybody talking about it. So I'm glad you guys had a, had fun up there doing that. Yeah, and how about you? How was your weekend? God, I mean, it was all right. I, I I tore my hamstring as we talked about right before we started recording. So I did a whole lot of nothing. Got to play some Madden for a little bit. So you sucks know. getting old. It does, yeah. You know, well, you know what? I'll I'll be honest. It's I don't know if it's the old part. Probably part of it is uh, I was an idiot and I was gossiping like a little schoolgirl about some stuff that had happened at my job, uh, and I didn't stretch. And so then first up, first at bat, uh, I drilled the ball over the right fielder's head, go to try and uh, score on it in the in the park home run and step on second base. And my hamstring just went. So yeah, it's a. Uh, Pretty bruised, pretty swollen, but, you know, that it is what it is. I've been icing it, and hopefully I'll be able to play by Friday. We'll see what happens. I, I like to risk it, so we'll see what happens. Yeah. All-time catcher. No, no, not at all. Not at all. I hate playing catcher. <laughs> I refuse to play. I'll retire before I go to catcher. Uh, anyways, that's a, that's enough about our weekends. Uh, let's, let's, let's jump in and talk about uh, the breaking news or NFL news that's happened over the weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen.
Alright, so for starters, the, the biggest news that came out this weekend was obviously A.J. Green tearing ligaments in his ankle. He is being uh, sidelined for six to eight weeks. There is another report that came out that said if he decides to go the surgery route, he would be out for upwards of 12 weeks. For Dynasty owners, if you're a Dynasty owner of A.J. Green, I would not panic too much. Six to eight weeks would mean he'd still come back fairly early on in the season. However, I do think that that means he's going to be playing with his injury most of the season. And as we've seen over the past couple years, A.J. Green and foot-ankle issues are, are not great. I personally do not think that this is great news for Tyler Boyd. In fact... I know this may be hearsay to say, but I would almost try and trade Tyler Boyd right now because I don't think his uh, value could get any higher, except for, I guess, maybe if he goes and balls out the first couple weeks of the season. But getting the new contract and A.J. Green going down, a lot of people are going to think Tyler Boyd is going to step up and be the alpha male in this offense. While I do love uh, Tyler Boyd and think he will take another step forward this year, we have not seen him really succeed without A.J. Green on the field, so I am a little worried about that. Dennis, your thoughts on A.J. Green and his injury? Well, I think it, it really sucks uh, for A.J. Green um, and for A.J. Green owners. I, I was looking forward to a good for, uh, for to him having a, a, a nice season, getting Dalton back. And uh, it seems like Zach Taylor is cursed. Uh, he's lost a couple offensive linemen to injuries and retirement. And uh, now A.J. Green... You know, it's uh, it's one of those situations where it may be a rough first year. Um, it's going to come down to, I, I don't think Green is going to get surgery. Um, and they kind of made it sound like it's probably, he's probably going to miss the first game, maybe two. I think if they're smart, they'll hold him out as long as they can just to, to not push him. He, he I, I don't know how many mental reps he's going to need uh, switching the offense for the first time in his career uh, well I guess they've had other offensive coordinators but they, he's Marvin Jones was his, or Lewis was his coach for uh, for his entire career um, so there, there is an opportunity that uh, you know maybe it'll, it'll hurt him a little bit because he's not going to get those reps Tyler Boyd I, I I, I kind of buy the argument that he was he didn't really step up when Green got injured last year. The counterpoint to that is that uh, in the four games when Green was out and Boyd was playing, uh, Andy Dalton missed two of them with injuries, so that kind of shrinks that sample size a little bit. Uh, so the the possibility is there that maybe Boyd does step up, but I agree. Uh, I don't. I don't know that his uh, his value is going to get a whole lot higher. Uh, I kind of thought maybe this is going to be an opportunity for John Brown to step up and show that hey, John Ross. Last, oh, yeah. Gosh darn it! No, I'm just good. messing up names. <laughs> uh, John Ross to step up and kind of take that third year leap and and show that uh, he could be a thing. But now he's out for a couple weeks with a hamstring injury. Um, and that's going to put him aside. So, you know, who, who, who's next? Is Alex Erickson going to be the guy? He's probably going to be the slot guy. Uh, and that's going to leave the, the third outside position up. Could It could benefit Gio. Uh, Gio could get more passing reps. Um, you know, maybe Josh Malone will finally uh, step up 
you know, he was a, a big kid out of Tennessee who's battled injuries his first couple of years. Uh, Auden Tate, another big kid. He's out of Florida State. Um, missed most of last year. Uh, he's not a fast guy uh, by any stretch. He's a little Calvin Benjamin-esque. But, you know, we did see uh, Calvin did put up some productive uh, seasons. So it could, it could work out that one of those guys step up and become fantasy relevant. Yeah, I was going to say, Gio, Gio's the guy for me. I think he will really be able to kind of benefit, especially as we talked about um, out of the backfield, his receiving ability is really good. He's getting extremely overlooked in drafts. We talked about him in the sleeper episode. He's going extremely late in most drafts. He's a guy that I would target now, especially with all of these injuries. Uh, another And Taylor has, uh, said he wants to get Gio 10 to 12 touches a game. So, you know... The possibilities there. You know who might be able to step up on the outside? That is, as I look at the uh, uh, depth chart, uh, rookie Stanley Morgan Jr. I was going to ask, kind of down, that's Garrett down Price's there. guy right there. We, I know we talked yeah. about him a little bit on some of our rookie stuff, and Garrett's really been kind of pushing him on Twitter. So, could be. I mean, he he did get a lot of. Uh, I don't want to say hype, but there's a lot of people who watched his college film and what he did in college and liked him a lot. So maybe maybe this is his chance to be able to get onto the roster being an undrafted free agent. Uh, one of the other big stories that happened, uh, we talked about it on the episode last time that Zeke did not get on the plane to Oxnard, California. Uh, we weren't sure if he was going to exactly hold out as we recorded that episode on Thursday and the physicals were not until Friday. He is holding out. He has not shown up. Uh, just literally, I would say probably 15 minutes before we started recording, there was an article released by, I think it was Pro Football Focus, uh, for Jerry Jones coming out and saying that you don't need a, uh, you don't need the rushing champ to win a Super Bowl. I can't, um, begin to explain how much I disagree with that, especially with the format of their team, their offensive line, and the way that their team is built is really built to run the ball and play defense right now because their quarterback is... I would say okay to maybe good, and their head coach is subpar yeah, at best, I think. Uh, so the fact that you're saying you don't need the rushing champ to win the Super Bowl, I think, is uh, kind of stupid. Uh, I get why he's probably saying that to try and, and show Zeke that they're not going to pay him. Uh, but I think in the end, they're going to have to if they want to keep him. So you have any thoughts on the Zeke holdout and Jerry Jones's comments? Well, I think that's Jerry kind of doing what he has to do. Um He's already said that he intends to, to pay his guys. He envisions them as the new triplets. Um, it's just not going to be Zeke's turn uh, until the other two get taken care of. And, and it doesn't do Zeke any good to hold out past August 6th because his it doesn't get him any closer to free agency. Yeah. So, you know, he's going to push it as long as he can, I think. Uh, he's going to go hang out in Mexico and, uh, you know, spend some time on the beach drinking margaritas. Um, and next thing you know, he's going to show up at camp so he can get paid. And uh, they'll take care of Dak and they'll take care of Amari and then they'll move on to Zeke. Uh, 
really quick, not necessarily a big news item. Just wanted to touch on Cam Meredith did get uh, did get cut from Saints camp. He's obviously someone a lot of uh, people, including myself, were very high on after his great year with Chicago a couple years ago uh, and going to New Orleans after that horrible knee injury. We'll see if he bounces back anywhere, uh, but that that's kind of a big blow for him. And Dennis, you had uh, one story that you would had mentioned really quick uh, that you had that you thought might be some be of some interest. Um, yeah, you know, Norv Turner came out today and talking about uh, wanting to be smart with Christian McCaffrey's touches. And uh, so I think this is where we cue everybody panicking about uh, Christian McCaffrey's touches like they are about uh, Todd Gurley's touches. You know, I don't know. While McCaffrey doesn't have the existing knee condition, you know, it makes sense to manage... Uh, especially early in the contracts of these guys to manage their touches. Yeah, you, you need to use them as much as you need to to win. But if you can, you know, instead of giving them 25 carries, give them 20 carries. Or instead of giving them, you know, 28 total touches, give them 22 or 23 total touches. You know, that makes sense if, if it doesn't, if it's not preventing you from winning. So, I don't think it's. Uh, I, I I think it'll. It might gain a little traction, but it's really uh, what most teams do, anyways. And so they'll. I think they'll limit him in practice. Uh, I I don't know who they're going to put in there. Is it going to be you know, Cameron Artis Payne or Jordan Scarlett or Elijah Holyfield? Uh, you know, did they sign a, another pass catching back that's not coming to mind real quick? Because Scarlett and Holyfield aren't past catching backs, that's for sure. Yeah, not at all. All right, so that right there will do it for today's breaking news or NFL news segment. And uh, we will jump into talking about our top 24 running backs. And seven, Beckham's eighth reception. Now Barkley up the middle, cuts to the outside. Saquon Barkley across midfield, down the sideline. Standard bounds, and Barkley takes it all the way. 68 yards for his first NFL touchdown. Second down and 10, takes the snap, gives it. Chubb runs, he's to the 10, 15, he's to the 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50. There goes Chubb, he's to the 30, 20, 10, 5, touchdown, Chubb and Lava Hub. Your first drive in the second half. Begins with Elliott, breaking it into the secondary, and it's a foot race, but he will not be touched. Wondering what his 60-yard time is? Check it out. All right. 
so much like the last episode that we did where we talked about our top 24 quarterbacks, today we're going to talk about our top 24 running backs going into the 2019 offseason again. Uh, much like I talked about in the quarterbacks episode, uh, this could change and likely will change as we move closer to the season. Uh, we'll give one final update right before the season starts again. Luckily, not a lot of these guys have... Uh, or none of these guys have suffered any injuries, at least none of the guys on my list, although two of the guys on there are currently in holdout, so we'll see how that affects them. I expect both of them will eventually play. But we will kick it off first with you, Dennis. Who is your 24th ranked running back for 2019? Well, you know, it's it's like Brokeback Mountain, and I just can't quit him. So it's, uh, it's Kenyon Drake at number 24. Uh, I'm not buying the Kalen Bellage hype, getting first-team reps. Uh, I, I just don't think Bellage is a, an effective NFL back. He doesn't have good vision. He's not very powerful for as big as he is. Uh, you know, you get him in space where he doesn't have to, where he's got time to see people coming. Uh, you know, then he's then he's going to end up uh, being able to do something. But he's not going to create too much on his own. He, he doesn't see the hole very well. So to me, it goes back to Kenyon Drake, who does all of those things. He breaks tackles. He gains yards. He can catch the ball. He probably needs to work on his pass protection just a tad more um, and, and bring that up. But Drake is a dynamic player with the ball in his hand and Miami is uh in in dire need of playmakers yeah so I almost had Drake at 24 in the last my last move of the updates I moved him up just a couple spots but I did actually have him at 24 so I thought that was kind of funny uh for me it's David Montgomery Uh, I love Montgomery and his landing spot in Chicago and he's Probably out of my entire list, there's three guys on here that I'm not sure if I if I gave them enough justice, and he's one of them for me because I, I'm just a little worried about Tariq Cohen. I don't think he's going to steal many rushes away from him, but I do think he'll steal some work in the passing game where David Montgomery is an extremely good receiver. We saw that in college. Uh, but if he does lose some of that work, I think that's going to limit some of his upside right now. Uh, but I, I love Montgomery. I love him in this offense. I think he's going to be a stud. I know a lot of people probably are a little worried about him because of what Jordan Howard did. But I think David Montgomery is a perfect fit for Matt Nagy's offense. So David Montgomery comes in at number 24. For me, who do you have at 23? 23, I got your guy, Philip Lindsay. Oh, I had Philip Lindsay as 23 as well. Man, I, I, I'm still a Royce believer, but I think Lindsey showed enough last year that they're going to try to give him, they're going to give him every opportunity. And the offense has changed with the new offensive coordinator. It's not, it's not the same offense, but I think they're going to give Lindsey more opportunity in the passing game, and, and he can break some tackles for. for for being what five nine and two hundred and five pounds, yeah. So you know he showed that he could run the ball and he was dynamic last year. So I'm going to give him some props and I'm I'm going to put him in in there at uh, twenty three. 
Yeah, I mean, he as I just said, he finishes twenty three for me. Uh, finished thirteen last year with two hundred and twenty, two hundred twenty two point eight points in fantasy. Uh, again, obviously got hurt at the end of the last year, and actually he's already started out this year a little bit hurt. Nothing major. Apparently, got hurt at the chiropractor. To be honest, I think that's the only thing that likely slows him down this year. I, again, we, we've talked about it many times. It's not that I don't believe in Royce Freeman. I thought he was a really good back coming out of college as well. And I still think that he is. I just think Philip Lindsay is more explosive compared to what Royce Freeman is. So unless Philip Lindsay gets an injury, I don't know how much of it splits. But there there is a very realistic possibility that Philip Lindsay does get hurt again. He is a smaller back. <laughs> I would love to see him do more in the receiving game, though. Uh, that was one of the things that I said I thought he would excel at at the NFL level. He has come out and said that he wants to do more in the receiving game as well. So I am excited to see if that can happen for him. Because if it does, I think he could easily blow this projection of 23 out of the water for both of us. Who do you have at 22? At 22, I'm rolling in with uh, good old Darius Geis, bouncing back from uh, last season's ACL tear. You know, Geis is a, a very powerful runner. He seems to be a student of the game. And Washington doesn't have a proven set of receivers. So I think Geis is going to start the year off sharing time with Adrian Peterson while he gets that knee healthier, while he gains confidence in it, while he builds up more of the functional strength um, he's already showing that he's, he's pretty well back and Adrian Peterson came back from it, from the same injury uh, very quickly. So he's out there working with Adrian Peterson. He's following Peterson around like a puppy, trying to absorb everything he can. Uh, Washington needs to figure out that left tackle situation. If, if uh, Trent Williams isn't going to come into camp, they need to get somebody in there. Yeah. But that being said, uh, I think Geis is going to be the number one option in this offense uh, until they show that they can throw the ball. All right, so for me at 22, I have Derrick Henry. Uh, just have, I've never really been a believer of him. He's already hurt and in a walking boot. I know it's nothing serious, uh, and he really doesn't have anybody necessarily pushing him for carries there in Tennessee. Finished as the 16th running back last year with 201.3 points. Again, a lot of that coming at the end of the season where he has done what he did last year multiple years in a row. Now, I think it's three years in a row where the back half of the season he has just taken off and just all of a sudden looked like the, the guy that we saw at Alabama. I just don't believe that he can do that over a full season. I know a lot of people are in on him and they're buying that he's going to be the workhorse in a very run-heavy offense there for the Tennessee Titans. I just don't see it because... Whether it's Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill back there, they don't, in my opinion, outside of A.J. Brown, who we didn't talk about, but Dennis uh, did bring up before the podcast that uh, he's already missed three practices because of his slip. They just don't have a very good wide receiver core, in my opinion, so I think that the defenses are going to be able to focus in on Derrick Henry more than having to worry about the passing game because, again, as, as much as I, I like Mariota and Tannehill, neither one of them are going to light up the scoreboard, in my opinion, throwing the ball. So I think Derrick Henry is just going to have another mediocre season uh, compared to the, the top 12 hype that he's getting from a lot of people in the fantasy industry. Who do you have at 21? Rolling in at 21, I have the aforementioned Derrick Henry. Uh, I I just feel like his volume put is going to put him uh, 
over Darius Geis, over Lindsey, over Drake. I, I They're going to feed him the ball as long as he, he is healthy and stays healthy. Uh, I think Deion Lewis is going to be more of a sprinkle-in kind of guy, not a uh, uh, regular. He isn't going to get every third series or something. He's going to get some passing down work. He's going to get the occasional handoff. Uh, I, I think uh, I think they know what they have in Derrick Henry, and so they don't intend to re-sign him uh, unless it's at a deep discount. And so f- until his contract is up, I think they're just going to they, – they've seen that they've got a battering ram and they're going to batter him. All right, so for me, um, well, it seems like we have a lot of the guys right here in the same area. I have Kenyon Drake just ahead of him. Uh, again, in last year finished with 206.2 points at RB14, so just ahead of Derrick Henry. Uh, and I'm right there with you. I've been a, a Drake fan and believer for probably just as long as you have. Not a believer in Kalen Balaj. I have not been at all, ever. I know that he blew up the combine and everybody was excited about his physical prowess and everything. I, I just, I don't buy it. Uh, he was never really able to produce in college that well. A lot of coaches said that he was lazy and didn't seem to pay attention to the game plans and he never really seemed to improve. I, I mean, for me, that's a, that's a big red flag. I do think he's going to get some work. I know this, there's already uh, reports out that he's running with the first team. Doesn't worry me that much. Uh, I do think Kenyon Drake is going to be the guy. The only reason I have him this low is because I just think Miami's offense is going to be bad, and I mean very bad. And so I, I think that's going to limit some of his uh, his points and his upside and touchdowns especially, but I don't think it's going to be much of a battle between him and Balazs. I think it's going to be more of a 70-30 or 80-20 split in, uh, in Drake's favor. Who do you have at 20? Did we just do 21? I'm already lost. I'm, I'm really bad at keeping track of this. Yep. Okay. Yeah, it's, uh, at 20, I have uh, Leonard Fournette. Oh, man, you've got him dropped down far. All right, tell me why. Well, I, I think that uh, he is, you know, he's Derrick Henry at 75%, basically. You know, he, he's, le- he's less efficient than Henry. Uh, I don't know that he's, I, he, I, I don't think he's as good a receiver as Henry. Uh, I think he's, I think the two of them probably are better than they get credit for, but I think Henry's a little bit better. And I think Fournette, uh, you know, as I say all this, I'm thinking maybe I've got him backwards. Uh, but I, I honestly, I think that, uh, what, Fournette gets the edge because I, I believe that Jacksonville's overall offense is going to be better, which is, is going to give Fournette a little more opportunity to uh, be more efficient, maybe catch a few more passes than Henry will. Um, and so I kind of, you know, we're kind of in this situation here around, you know, the, the 2021 22, where it could shake out just about uh, any way. So I, I like Fournette as a, a low low end RB two. And so if I'm getting him around, you know, pick fifty, you know, maybe a little 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 higher, a little lower, you know, I think that's a reasonable place to get him. For me, I don't know. I, I don't think I'd get him because I feel like most people would uh value him a little bit higher than that. See, looking at the full-time fantasy ADPs, where do they have Mr. 
So Fournette's coming off the board at, at 30. So it'll be middle of the second round. So I'm probably not going to have any Fournette there because, or middle of the third round, excuse me. I'm probably going wide receiver or younger running back. But that's where I have him. Gotcha. All right, so for me at 20, I have Darius Geis. Uh, for many of the reasons you were just talking about, uh, I, first of all, I don't know if anybody saw his interview he did with NFL Network. I think it was on Sunday, Sunday morning or Saturday morning. Dude is, like, jacked. And I mean, like, Saquad's jacked. Like, I think he almost put Saquad's quads to shame. Like, it was ridiculous how loaded that dude was. Uh, I think it was D'Angelo Hall they had on there was talking about how big of a deal that is when you have an ACL injury because to be able to recover from that and bounce back, your your quads need to be really good to kind of bear the load, especially when you're still trying to rehab. So he said he thought that was a really good sign. Uh, really, the only thing that worries me is, is much about the same as Kenyon Drake. I just don't know what this offense is going to look like. I mean, this offensive line is one of the best in the league when they're fully healthy, but you've already got the talks, obviously, of everything with Trent Williams, that he might be gone. Redskins are saying that everything is fine, but then he said earlier in the season that he wanted to be traded because uh, he didn't like the way that the, the franchise had been treating him. You know, you got probably a rookie quarterback in Haskins there, and then you've got Chris Thompson and Adrian Peterson competing for carries. Uh, I've always lived under the motto that the, the best player is going to get the snaps, and I think that is Darius Geis. However, Chris Thompson, contract year, they might just try and throw him out there to get a lot of receptions, which will diminish some of Geis' value. And then again, they did sign Adrian Peterson to a two-year contract. I don't think that they signed him just to put him on the bench. Um, and I do think that they want to try and keep Geis healthy. So I do think that Peterson is going to get some run just to kind of limit or maybe slowly work Geis in. So if they do limit some of his workload or hold him back just a little bit at the start of the season, obviously he's going to lose you some fantasy value there. So that's why I I have him as low as I do. Who do you have at 19? At 19, I have Josh Jacobs. Um, I think they, you know, they want to give him the opportunity there in Oakland. Um, but as I've mentioned many times before, I, I'm just not totally sold on him. I, I think, uh, you know, I, I think Josh Jacobs is, is kind of just a, a better Kalen Bellage. He's a big back that's a good receiver, that's good in open space. Uh, he's got better vision than Balage, but I don't know that he's necessarily the, the power guy or the three-down back that a lot of people want him to be. Uh, I, I think this year he's going to get uh, plenty of opportunity. Uh, I, I feel like Oakland wants him to be that guy. Um, I'm, ju I'm just not sold that he is. Yeah, I don't disagree with you. He's not even in my top twenty-four, so I give you uh, I give you applause for putting him in there. Uh, so for me at nineteen, I have your boy Marlon Mack. Uh, he finished as uh, RB twenty-one last year with one hundred and seventy-eight points. I obviously did miss a lot of games due to an injury. That is part of the reason why I dropped him. Uh, I don't necessarily trust that he is going to be st stay healthy. He is obviously in an explosive offense and is going to be the workhorse running back as of now. I'm not so sure that he is as talented as others do. I do think Naheem Hines is going to eat into his role some. I don't think Naheem Hines is going to get a ton of carries, but I do think he'll probably get five to six a game with then obviously some receiving work as well, which I think is going to drop Marlon Mack down a little bit. He is, though, one of the other guys, um, much like David Montgomery, that I feel like maybe I 
didn't do enough justice in my rankings and probably could be moved up higher. Uh, but for now, I'm going to keep him all the way down here at 19. Who do you have at 18? At 18, I've got uh, my uh, comeback player of the year candidate, Devonta Freeman. Oh, okay. Uh, you know, I, I like Freeman to, to bounce back and have a, a good year. Uh, I think he's at that stage of his career, though, that he, he's not going to be – he's not going to dominate backfield touches. I, I think he's uh, – they've shown – that they're going to split the backfield up. They've got a, a good option in Quadri Allison, the rookie. Uh, you know, some people still like Ito Smith. Um, who was the other dude that came in there? Uh, kind of bounced around the league. I can't remember his name. Hill. Uh, Atlanta? Brian Hill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I, I do think that they're going to give some touches away. Uh, on a fairly regular basis, but I think Freeman will be able to, um, if, it, especially if they can give him uh, more in the passing game than they have, maybe take some of the handoffs away and give them to the bigger Allison and let Freeman catch some more passes so he gets his touches that way, which could produce additional yardage. Uh, you know, I like Freeman to, to be, you know, middle, middle of the, uh, RB2 pack, so I have him right here at 18. Alright, at 18 for me, I have Mark Ingram, who's obviously now in Baltimore, uh, finishes RB32 last year with 142 points. Uh, I like Mark Ingram here in Baltimore. I do think, obviously, he's going to be the workhorse. Uh, my really biggest reservation with him and why I have him probably... I think really actually where I think he's actually going to finish, I don't think he can go much higher. And this is because of Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill. I think Justice Hill is going to steal a lot of the receiving work. He is a very explosive back. Um, and again, I've said it many a times, I don't think he is Alvin Kamara, but I think he can be used somewhat like Alvin Kamara was used in New Orleans. And we just know Lamar Jackson is going to run the ball probably a lot. Uh, you know, I hope that they don't because I, I think that's probably going to end up him getting hurt. But I just don't see any other way to do it. I heard... Um, I can't remember who the NFL quarterback analysis. I think it may have been Dan Orlowski on ESPN at one point. I was listening to them him talk about you can't force Lamar Jackson to be a pocket quarterback because that's just not who he is. If you do that, you're headed for disaster. You need to play the game and let him play the game that he has been uh, because that is who he is. And I don't disagree with that because I do think trying to make him into a pocket quarterback is probably headed down a path of failure quicker than what he is right now. So we'll see what happens with that. Obviously, we know everybody who listens to this podcast knows me and Dennis are not huge fans of Lamar Jackson, so I do expect he's going to do a lot of the running as well, which is, again, going to limit some of Mark Ingram's upside, which is a which is an ongoing theme here for some of my guys down here. So Mark Ingram at 18 for me. Who do you have at 17? I have... Uh... David Montgomery at 17. Okay. So, you know, I think Montgomery is going to come in and have, uh, you know, he's going to care. He's going to lead the team in carries. He's a good pass catcher. So he's going to get opportunity in the passing game. Yes. Tariq Cohen is still going to get plenty of targets. Uh, I don't know if he gets what he had last year. Um, but he's going to get plenty of targets. You know, he's a weapon. They're going to use him. Um, but I like Montgomery. Uh, you know, he's been my rookie RB1 virtually all offseason. Uh, I like his game better than um, 
Jacobs. I think he's a more well-rounded back. Maybe doesn't have the long speed that Jacobs has, um, but Montgomery is a, a, an elusive runner, and I think he's going to really provide good balance to the Chicago Bears offense. All right, my 17 is going to be probably a little bit of a shock for some people. And in all honesty, I'm kind of surprised that I've got him lower than you. So for me, it's Damian Williams out of Kansas City. Uh, came in last year as a RB48 with 98.6 points. Obviously did not play that much, though, because he was sitting behind Kareem Hunt. I almost forgot his name. I was about to call him Tyreek Hill for some reason. Uh, behind Kareem Hunt until obviously he got cut. Uh, I do like Williams, and I do think he has a chance to produce here. I think Carlos Hyde is going to be. You have talked me into believing a little bit more into Carlos Hyde, which is just insane to me, although I do love him being the Buckeye that he is. Um, but I, I, more so, I think this offense is going to take a little bit of a step back, as we, we've talked about many times with Patrick Mahomes taking a step back as well. I don't think that he's going to produce as a top 12 running back. I could see him outproducing 17, uh, but I think he's likely going to finish closer to 20, which is why I've dropped him down to 17. Who do you have at 16? At 16, I've got my guy Marlon Mack. You know, he's a better pass catcher than he gets credit for. Um, you know, he caught the ball well in college. Uh, he's in an explosive offense. He's going to get plenty of opportunity. Uh, I think he, I, I don't think uh, him finishing as an RB1 is outside the range of uh, outcomes. You know, he's got good size. You know, again, with him, it, it's going to come down to uh, not getting too nicked up. If he can stay on the field, and I think he will, I think he's ready to go out and have a breakout for a full season. I think Marlon Mack is poised and ready to go. All right. So, that, so man, I really want to know where you have Damian Williams now. I really thought that you would come in. You, no, so, tell me. It was, uh, tell, is he I'm outside going to get rid of the suspense right here. I don't have Damian Williams in my top 24. Oh, man, so I did have him higher than you. All right, well, that's interesting. I, I figured you'd at least have him in your top 24. All right, so at 16 for me, I have Aaron Jones. Finished last year as RB24 with 171.5 points. Love Aaron Jones. Love him in this offense. Um, a th kind of a theme you'll see for actually my next four running backs that I have here on this list is injury history. Aaron Jones has yet to stay healthy for a full season. Uh, I love Dexter Williams being there. I think he. I don't think he's going to push for the starting job as some do, but I do think that he has a chance to push Jamal Williams out of a job and take some carries away from Aaron Jones. And if Aaron Jones is injured at some point in time in this season, I could see Dexter Williams possibly cementing a role there. I still think if when Aaron, if and when Aaron Jones comes back from being injured, he'll still get a decent role there in a really good offense, though we don't know what the offense will look like with Matt LaFleur. Still has Aaron Rodgers, uh, Devontae Adams, a pretty decent offensive line. Uh, so again, really my biggest reservation with him is injury, which again you'll, you'll see is a common thread here with my next couple running backs. So who do you have at 15? Well, before we go on to 15, I guess I want to uh, let's recall your Mark Ingram ranking. Okay. So I, I, I don't have Ingram in my top 24 either. Wow. And, you know, it, it was a tough call for me. Um, probably Ingram, Ingram probably, I don't feel as strongly about leaving him out as I do Damian Williams. But 
you know, Jim Harbaugh came out the other day and uh, he was on the NFL Network Inside Training Camp Live and uh, Brian Billick brought up Cam Newton's 139 carries in 2017. And without hesitation, Jim Harbaugh said, I'd bet the over on that one. Wow. So those carries are going to come from somewhere. Yeah. And that's Mark Ingram. So I feel like, well, I want to buy into Ingram um, because of the volume of that offense running the the ball. Mm -hmm. It, It may not be quite the volume we expect, especially if, you know, Justice Hill comes on. Or there's been some good reports about Kenneth Dixon, who was a good three-down back in college. You know, uh, if they're going to spell Ingram, Gus Edwards is his direct backup. So potentially Ingram, who's pushing 30 and always been a part-time back, maybe he's not going to get that full-time load that that a lot of us were thinking. So, you know, that's kind of why I, I didn't have Ingram. I don't have Ingram in there. Now, I just don't like Damian Williams as a, as – a yeah. talent, and and so that's why he's left out of there. Um, you know, I just can't buy into him. So it's my turn to go fifteen. Is that where we're at? Yeah. Well, let me let me rebuttal really quick on Ingram. That that is exactly why I said I had him that low. Though uh, is the Lamar Jackson and Justice Hill argument that you just made there. Uh, my biggest thing with Ingram is besides Lamar Jackson, I don't see anybody stealing goal line carries from him. If that makes sense, I, I do think Lamar Jackson is probably going to get some kind of goal line packages, although he's not Cam Newton, where Cam Newton can pretty much run anybody over and into the end zone. Lamar Jackson's not going to be able to do that, Um, but I do think they'll do some kind of possibly wildcat plays or something to get Lamar Jackson into the end zone, in the red zone, but I think that's where Ingram's points are going to come from, and if he's scoring enough touchdowns in an offense that, I mean, regardless of what we think of Lamar Jackson, they've been a very good team all around, I guess is the way to put it, the past couple years, that defense is likely going to keep them in games. I don't think, see again, as you were just talking about, neither one of us think they're going to be throwing the ball 600 times. My goodness, sorry about that. I don't, uh, nobody see, we don't see them throwing the ball five to 600 times, so it's going to be a run-based offense. So that's just kind of my thoughts on why I think Mark Ingram can finish right around the 20 mark. But yes. All right, rebuttal accepted. Okay, cool. All right, now you can go with your 15. All right, at 15, I have Sony Michelle. Um, I think he's in line. Now, this is, again, it's going to go back to the same uh, question mark you have on a lot of people, and that's health. Uh, Michelle's got the knee. Um, I think he's going to end up getting some of the quote unquote veteran treatment in camp and, and, and in practice. They're not going to give him quite the amount of reps. Uh, because they want to manage the knee condition. But they see what they have in him, and he's a really good back. Uh, I think Michelle is in line for a 12 to 15 touchdown season and a 1,000 yards. So I, I've got him at running back 15. I think he's going to put up surprisingly good numbers without catching a bunch of passes. Interesting. So, Sony Michelle did not make my top 24. I actually have him exactly at 25. I thought about putting him up in there. My biggest concern with him is just the crap ton of other options in the backfield and his injury history. Obviously, we've talked about him before, and, and I've said many times, if he does what you think he is, he's he's going to be a stud this year. 
I just don't think that I can buy into it. That knee injury scares me a lot. And then obviously having Damian Harris, Rex Burkhead, James White all back there is just even more scary for me. I agree with you that I don't think he's going to get many many catches regardless of if he's having a good year or not. He's going to get all of his points from rushing and scoring touchdowns. So I could be dead wrong on Michelle here. I will admit that, but I, I actually did not rank him in my twenty four. Uh, for 15, for me, I have Leonard Fournette. I, I do think he's going to finally have somewhat of a, a bounce-back season. Nick Foles, I think, is going to help him out a lot and actually give them, uh, or defense is te- necessarily a quarterback to fear that someone that can throw the ball down the field where Blake Bortles was very inconsistent. Uh, I believe in Filippo, who came over from Philly and Minnesota who was obviously in Philly with Foles when he won the Super Bowl, was calling plays with Doug Peterson and Foles right there. I think they've got a great connection. I love this wide receiver core. I think he's extremely underrated with guys like D.D. Westbrook, D.J. Chark. If Marquise Lee can come back healthy, you know, obviously they're missing a little bit at tight end, but with those wide receivers alone, if they can stretch the field a little bit and get some of those defenders out of the box, if Leonard Fournette can stay healthy, and I know that is a big if, I think he can finally kind of show us what we all hoped he would be coming out of LSU. Who do you have at 14? At 14, I'm going to bet on Melvin Gordon only sitting out a few games. All right. Uh, I think he he's he gets enough volume that even if he plays 12 games, he can still be a high-end RB2. Uh, he catches a lot of passes. Uh, you know, if he comes, if he comes back in week five, week six, uh, and is in good, good enough shape, they're not going to hesitate to put him in. And it's just going to come down to whether or not he can, uh, stay healthy and not have that miss camp, miss time, uh, injury bug hit. Um, um, so I've got Melvin at 14. All right, at 14 for me, I have Le'Veon Bell, who obviously is not sitting out this year. Um, I could be wrong on Bell. I'll I'll go ahead and say that now. He was the last guy that I have on my list uh, that I think I might not have done justice to. But injury history and the fact that he has not played football in an entire year, add going into the New York Jets, who I think are going to be improved this year, but I don't love their offensive line. Sam Darnold. Uh, all the way back through college, and we saw it last year, is prone to throwing interceptions. I do think if this, if he starts turning the ball over and the defense can't hold the teams that they're playing, they're going to start getting away from the running game. Now, yes, I understand Le'Veon Bell is a great receiver as well. Don't get me wrong. But so is Chris Herndon, and so is Jamison Crowder, who are all going to be working in the same area. So I do think that is going to steal some of Le'Veon Bell's touches away. Plus, Adam Gase is there, and last time we saw a good running back with Adam Gase, Kenyon Drake, uh, he got fucked badly. Uh, we we almost didn't know Kenyon Drake existed. Now, obviously, Le'Veon Bell is more talented than Kenyon Drake, but I would not be surprised if Bell gets Adam Gase in some way or form uh, and kind of knocks him out of that top 12 range. So I've got him right there at 14. Who do you have at 13? At 13, I've got the, the dynamic, uh, the... Hopefully healthy for 16 games uh, in the new offense, Mr. Aaron Jones. You know, I love Aaron Jones's talent. I think he's an outstanding running back, and I feel like with a healthy Aaron Rodgers, they're gonna. It's gonna open up the uh, 
offense to be able to have really, really good balance and Aaron Jones to be able to carry the ball, score some touchdowns, rack up five yards of carry, uh, and, and just be, uh, you know, a, a really, really good running back that uh, if you get him in, like I, I got him in round three uh, of the uh, fantasy fo- Ohio fantasy football analyst draft, and uh, I, I was pleased as heck to get him uh, at the 311. Uh, I think his, uh, let me see what his ADP is there over on the full-time fantasy. He is going uh, at... His ADP, that's Julio Jones, Ronald Jones. So his ADP is 33. And I got him at, uh, what did I get him at? 26. So a little bit of a reach according to the full-time fantasy ADP. Uh, but I like him there. You know, He wasn't going to make it back to me. Well, I guess he at the turn he might have made it back to me. So. Yeah, maybe. All right, so for me, right outside of the top 12, I have Dalvin Cook. Again, as I said, uh, injury here is kind of a a running theme for these next couple guys. Uh, He's the last one right here. If he stays healthy, he's going to be much better than 13. I think this offense is going to be humming this year with Kirk Cousins in his second year here. Obviously, has two studs on the outside. Uh, a decent tight end in Kyle Rudolph and a good backup in Irv Smith. Offensive line is going to be an issue, but we saw even when that offensive line was bad, Dalvin Cook was able to produce a little bit. Uh, we saw it a little bit at the end of last year and obviously is some uh, his rookie season before he tore his ACL. Love Cook this year. I think he has a chance to really bounce back and have a really good year in the receiving game and rushing game. Uh, and I, I don't really see anybody else vying for touches. I think Alexander Madison, who a lot of people think is going to have uh, or is going to be a good rookie, I think is really solely a backup to Dalvin Cook. So uh, I, I don't think he's going to come in and steal many touches from Cook this season. So give me as much Dalvin Cook as I can take. We're getting right there now. We, we're here. We're in our elite, our top 12 running backs. Uh interested to see where this goes between the two of us because I know you haven't mentioned Dalvin Cook. There's a couple guys I've already mentioned and some guys that you've mentioned neither one of us have. So let's kick it off. The last running back in Tier 1 at number 12, who do you have? My number 12 is uh, James Conner. Okay. I I probably am a little lower on him than a lot of people. A couple slots. I think Conner's a really good running back. I don't think he's elite. Uh, I think he's in a good system that uh, puts him in a position to be able to make plays, gives him good short yardage opportunities uh, at the goal line, lets him catch a few passes. Um, I I don't buy into Jalen Samuels taking over that backfield. Uh, I think Benny Snell is just going to be a backup. Uh, I like Snell in this system. I think the Pittsburgh offense is built four guys like Benny Snell, like James Conner. Um, but I feel like Conner is, he's the best of the three backs in Pittsburgh uh, comfortably. Uh, I don't think, well, they, you know, if he gets injured, the running backs that come in are going to do okay. Uh, I don't think they're as good as James Conner. So Conner did seem like he ran out of gas a little bit at the end of the season last year. So we'll, 
hopefully he can uh, he learn from that and he's able to um, maintain his conditioning throughout the year and and not get dinged up and be able to uh, finish strong this year. So I, I have James Conner at twelve. All right, at number twelve, I just oh there we I have Melvin Gordon. I um. Right there with you. I don't. I hope he doesn't hold out many games. I, I know the last report that came out is they're only off by like two or three million dollars a year. Uh, I mean that is kind of a big deal when it all adds up, depending on the length of the contract. Uh, but I, I'm hoping that they obviously get that done, even if he holds out a couple games. Uh, we've show we've seen with the volume, Melvin Gordon can be a top five, six, seven back. I mean, he he's literally has lit up the fantasy world with the volume that he's gotten. So even if he does miss a couple games, I think once he comes back and gets back up to game speed, the volume that he will get, regardless of how good Austin Eckler and Justin Jackson have been in his stead, he will get all of the carries and most of the volume, and he's going to produce with it. So I think that'll easily jump him back up there. Obviously, again, a little lower than what he's finished the past couple years. Uh, like I said, he, he's finished, I think, right around five to eight every single year he's been in the league so I got him down at 12 just in the thoughts that he might miss a game or two this year uh, who do you have at 11 at 11 I got uh, my guy carry on Johnson from my childhood favorite team Detroit Lions uh, you know Detroit's moving towards a uh, run oriented offense I think uh, with under Matt Patricia uh, getting rid of Theo Riddick opens up passing opportunities for carry on Johnson, who's an excellent receiver and he's a tough runner. I, I think that CJ Anderson will be the change of pace back on running downs and get some touches, but it's going to be carry on Johnson as the lead back. And he's going to get plenty of opportunities to run the ball, to catch the ball, to score touchdowns. Uh, I, I think he presents um, Matt Patricia with, a running back that can that he doesn't have to worry about bringing off the field uh, regardless of what the offense is trying to execute and that's going to get you know you can't make plays when you're on the bench and so that's going to keep carrying on Johnson on the field and uh, so I've got him I, I'm expecting a big year out of carry on Johnson I'm right there with you. That is exactly who I have at 11 as well. I, I think even more so, um, the more I've thought about it, I think we, I'm, I, I, don't, I guess I should ask you, man, I'm sorry. I'm, I feel like I'm stuttering all over the place today. Uh, does the cut of Riddick make you want to move him up any at all? Because I, when I saw the news, I wanted to. I decided not to mess with my rankings uh, after the other day because I didn't want to change him too much right now. But I felt like cutting Riddick, uh, and really kind of what feels like to me moving Johnson toward the main guy and being the workhorse here made me honestly want to move him up closer to 7, 8 than 11. Uh, do you think 11 is like the perfect spot for him right now, or would you have moved him up knowing that Riddick was going to get cut? I, I, For me, I think that's 11 is the right spot. Okay. When I look at the players I have in front of him, I'm comfortable – with them being finishing ahead of carry on Johnson. Uh, so could, could he end up higher? He could, you know, he's a, he's an exceptionally good running back. Um, and he's going to get opportunities. So him finishing 
as the RB6 or RB7 or RB3 is not out of the question. So if he stays healthy, he's going to get plenty of opportunity, but I, I'm, I'm not going to gamble on, I'm, you know, when I look at the guys I have in front of them, there's only one that has a lingering injury, his, and I guess not lingering, let's say an active injury that needs to be managed. Um, so I, I, I like the guys I have in front of him, uh, but it wouldn't surprise me to see him finish higher than 11. Fair enough. Yeah, I think on my rankings right now, I would probably move him. I'd feel comfortable taking him over who I have at 10. So who do you have at 10? I have Dalvin Cook at 10. Okay. Now, I, as much as I like on Johnson, I, the thing that gives me, that gives Dalvin Cook the edge for me is that Dalvin has just this touch more of electricity to his game. And I think that the Minnesota offense is a notch better than the Detroit offense. So for me, that kind of sets it up to, you know, all things being equal, slightly more opportunity and, and is what puts cook and slightly more, athleticism uh you know it might not i'd have i haven't looked at their athletic profiles on roto underworld uh recently so i don't remember how they measure up um but i think you know dalvin just has a certain dynamic to his game carry on johnson is is more workmanlike and maybe that's a very superficial way to view it uh and i can accept that criticism uh but I like Dalvin to just eke out on Johnson for the, the 10 spot. All right. My number 10 is Devonta Freeman. Uh, I, I think nice. very much like you, I think he has a bounce back campaign. I think losing Tevin Coleman is a big, uh, big thing for him. I think that's going to allow him to get a bunch of the carries. I know we have both talked about it before. Um, now, I do think Ito Smith is a little bit better than you do, but I don't think that he's going to steal many carries from Devonta Freeman. I think he might get some receiving work. Um, and, and I know we talked about it a while ago. I don't remember when. Uh, about Quadri Allison, that we both like him. Obviously, you, you've been on him for a lot longer than I have. Uh, but we don't know for sure if he'll actually come in and take over that spot from Ito Smith right now. So I think that's what's going to lead to Devontae Freeman being the workhorse right now. They paid him. They want him to be that guy. Atlanta has possibly, or they could be in the argument for the best offensive line in football right now. Obviously, great weapons on the outside and a great quarterback, great coaching staff all together there. I think that Devonta Freeman has a chance to bounce back big this year. Again, injury being the biggest question, but if he stays healthy, I've got him right there at 10. Who do you have at number nine? Number nine, I have uh, both of our hometown favorites, uh, Nicholas Chubb, coming in at number nine for me. I feel like he is set up for an opportunity to really – Cleveland is going to have a high-powered offense, and so it's going to pull those safeties and those pass-coverage linebackers away from the line – Cleveland has a good offensive line. They've got a couple questions that need to, just a couple things that need to get worked out. Uh, you know, if left tackle can, can, if Robinson continues uh, to 
uh, improve and show that, you know, he was worthy of a first round pick a few years ago. Uh, maybe he just wasn't ready. Uh, you know, if that can continue to grow, you know, they've got, they, they've got a, a good offensive line and they've got a quarterback that's going to make some stuff happen and wide receivers that are going to keep safeties away. Uh, the safeties are going to have to be out there. And then when you add David Njoku, an athletic tight end that can, that's a good blocker, but can also pull linebackers away from the line. Nicholas Chubb, you know, he had some big runs last year, and, and he could have some more big runs this year. I'm not concerned about Kareem Hunt or Duke Johnson. I think Duke is going to get some opportunity, um, but it's going to be more uh, along the lines of uh, scheduled kind of change of pace things. Uh, you know, Chubb's a good pass catcher. Uh, he's not as good as Duke. I'm not gonna. I'm, that's not what I'm trying to say. Uh, I don't even know if he's as good as Kareem Hunt, um, but he's going to be the lead back in a powerful offense, and he's going to get plenty of opportunity. And so uh, I like Nicholas Chubb at number nine. All right, at number who nine, you got? I got I got Todd Gurley, um, and again, I, not because of the knee issue or injury. I don't think that's going to hold him back that much. I do think it's going to be them limiting his workload to make sure that he stays healthy and fresh because they want to win a Super Bowl. This is not a, the, uh, the old school Rams that are just trying to win games and make the playoffs. This team and these guys all have Super Bowl aspirations, and to do that, they need Todd Gurley to be fully healthy. Now, obviously, nobody goes into the playoffs in the Super Bowl fully healthy, but you know they can limit some of his workload. They drafted Darrell Henderson. They have Malcolm Brown, John Kelly. I think that just that alone is going to drop him just a little bit. He's very much the, the comparison that's not necessarily fair to make because, in my opinion, he's 10 times more talented, is the volume he was getting is very much like Melvin Gordon. And if Melvin Gordon was just a little bit more talented, I think he'd put up points like what Todd Gurley was able to put up in Los Angeles. I don't think that's all Sean McVay. I just think that's because Todd Gurley is so damn talented. But I do think that volume is going to decrease. And with that decrease, I think it's going to come a decrease in points. And I just think for me, the eight guys I have above him are going to all be workhorses on very good teams outside of one player. But I do think that he is just going to be really the best offensive option that they have on that team, which is why I put him just ahead of him. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm dropping Gurley down to nine. Who do you have at number eight? At number eight, I've got Le'Veon Bell. Uh, I don't think Bell should qualify as a comeback player of the year since he sat out in a contract dispute. Um, but I think he's going to get, you know, I understand Adam Gase is there. But I also understand that as much as I like Kenyon Drake, he's not Le'Veon Bell. And I think Bell is going to get volume in the running game. He's going to be the passing down back. He's a, a clear three down running back. Uh, as much as I liked Elijah McGuire, he's not Le'Veon Bell either. And I know there's talk about Ty Montgomery is looking good, catching the ball and being the third down back. Uh, he's not Le'Veon Bell either. So Le'Veon Bell is going to be fresh. Uh, he's going to, he's shown that he can handle the, the receptions, the carries that he's, he's the guy. And I think Le'Veon Bell is in a prime opportunity. Um, 
The only thing that keeps him, I think, from being higher for me is that the New York Jets offense in general is probably going to be lower volume than the seven offenses in front of it. All right, so for me at number eight, I have Joe Mixon, and he was the the one player that I was talking about that's not necessarily on a good team, although I did miss another guy I have very a little bit higher that is also not on a good team, but he, he's super talented. So Joe Mixon, I think he is probably the best offensive weapon the Bengals have now and someone that they're going to have to rely upon heavily. Obviously, they lost Jonah Williams, their first-round pick, earlier this offseason, which is going to be a huge blow to that offensive line. We talked about that. Uh, back when it happened, uh, so that could possibly limit some of his points, but he has just been getting better and better every year. I do think Gio uh, is going to have a good year as well. We have seen him be out with injury, which I think led kind of Mixon getting the workhorse touches that he did, but, it, but he's just such a phenomenal runner and obviously a really good receiver as well. With A.J. Green going down, probably I would think missing at least two games. My bet would be three or four if I had to put money on it. I think they're going to rely heavily on Mixon, especially if Boyd is getting double teamed there. Uh, So give me Mixon. I think he's going to have a very good year. Who do you have at number seven? At number seven, I have Todd Gurley. Um, I agree with what you were saying. I think they're going to manage Gurley's touches. They're going to manage his practice time. They're going to manage his preseason time. I think what I've heard is he's going to be on the preseason or the veteran uh, program during preseason, meaning he's not going to play in any games. Um, I don't know if that ends up being true, but I I don't think he's going to play very much if he does play. Um, But I do think Gurley is still going to get plenty of volume. Uh, He's, he's, He's too good not to give the volume to. And it's not like they need to worry about extending his contract again. They've already given him an extension. So he's probably not going to get another extension from the Rams. Um, so what, what does it, you know, where's the benefit for them to not play him if he's their best running back? So they're going to play him. Um, they're not going to probably, he's probably not going to get 350 carries. Uh, he's probably not going to get 90 targets. But if he gets 70 targets, 75 targets, and, you know, 275 carries or 250 carries, you know, if he cut 10 or 15% off of what he did last year, cut down his practice time, he's still going to be, he's, he's going to stay healthier, um, minus some freak injury. And he's still going to, be a high high level running back. He's just too good. All right, for me at seven, I have uh, James Connor. So he finished as RB six last year with two hundred and eighty points. I think Connor is just going to run away with it this year. I know you were just talking about him a little bit ago, and he is the best running back in that backfield, and he is. Uh, he's a decent receiver, really good runner. Uh, and I don't think that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to throw the ball 600 times like they did last year. I think a lot of that was to keep uh, their their prima donna in AB happy. I don't think Juju, James Washington, Deontay Johnson are going to be out there complaining about not getting the ball. None of those guys seem to be those diva wide receivers. They seem to be more team first guys. So I think that means that the Pittsburgh Steelers are going to get back to what they used to be with. They had Jerome Bettis 
in running the ball and playing some good defense. And in that means James Conner is going to get a bigger workload than he had last year. Uh, again, I know I have him taking technically a step back because I think Jalen Samuels showed that he could be a viable receiver out of the backfield. So I think he eats into some of that work. But all in all, I think James Conner continues to just cement himself as right around a top five back uh, in the league this year in a team that I think is going to go a little bit more run heavy than we've seen them do in the past couple years. Who do you have at number five? <clears throat> I believe we're at six. six. I'm sorry. Yeah, six. You're right. I'm wrong. So, uh, can you cut that out and put it on a loop for oh. me? I meant the you are right and I am wrong. No, that will be cut from the episode, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. Um, at number six, I have Mixon. And, you know, I might be a little high on Mixon because of the injury situation to A.J. Green and uh, the offensive line. You know, the argument that I, I that was made um, for the offensive line sustaining was Cordy Glenn is going to be the left tackle, and he was the left tackle last year. They lost Bowling, who was the left guard, who was pretty good, but, you know, not great, but he was pretty good. So they, they do need to replace that position. Uh, you know, they drafted Michael Jordan out of Ohio State. Uh, he, he's, he could turn out to be a solid guard. Um, you know, Billy Price is healthy. Uh, he's a, a, a good center. You know, so the offensive line could be better um, than I think we're expecting. So if that turns out to be the case, you know, then Mixon might be okay. Uh, you know, he's going to catch some passes. Uh, he's a he's a really good pass catcher. He's a great running back. Uh, you know he was he led the a- AFC in rushing last year. Uh, was fourth in the NFL led the AFC in rushing. Um, not having AJ Green could prove a little problematic as it could allow safeties to creep up to the line of scrimmage. Um, you know I'd, I I don't know that Tyler Boyd is going to be able to keep uh, people off off the line he's he's not aj green he's good but he's not aj green um but that being said uh, i like joe mixon um and so i'm gonna i kept him here at number six Number six for me is Nick Chubb. I think that he is going to have a huge year. So, I mean, if you really go back and look at his year last year, he had a phenomenal second half when Hugh Jackson was gone. It it was ridiculous. I know many of you probably are not Browns fans, so you did not see – you might have seen the highlights – from the huge runs that he had against Oakland, and I don't remember who the other team was that he had a huge breakout run against. Um, I know one of them was Atlanta, but there was one before that as well. But he finished the year last year, even with all that, pretty much being on the bench. I think he got like a handful of carries over Carlos Hyde uh, in certain situations. Finished as RB17 last year with 194 points. Again, when Freddie Kitchens took over and they traded away Carlos Hyde, or they traded away Carlos Hyde first and then Freddie Kitchens took over, Nick Chubb was handed the ball a ton. Just missed 1,000 yards. Again, I think... He is going to be able to eat this offensive line is top 10-ish. I mean, they're not great, but they are not nearly bad or even close to average. They are a good offensive line. There, there's some question marks on it for doubt. Uh, no doubt there are question marks, but I do think this offensive line is going to be good this year. And when you have weapons like Odell Beckham, 
Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, David Njoku, and Rashard Higgins, and then Baker Mayfield back there who is not afraid to sling the ball. Those defensive backs and linebackers are going to be watching those wide receivers, which is going to allow Nick Chubb to likely get to that second level. I'm right there with you on the Kareem Hunt thing. I'm not worried about him one bit. At best, he comes back in week 10 or 11. You're already almost into your fantasy playoffs. He's not going to eat that much into Chubb's workload, in my opinion. We'll see what happens with Duke. I I feel like I'm alone on the Titanic right now on the Duke Johnson uh, uh, bandwagon here and that I don't think he's going to get traded. I I think he's going to stick around. I saw a report uh, actually why we've been recording that his agent is currently meeting with the Browns right now. Uh, So we'll see what happens with that. Maybe that's them trying to work out a trade. Uh, But I don't think that they trade him. I I don't think that they want to bring in one of the rookies that they have as the backup to Chubb. Uh, They want to keep Johnson around. and, And as I've said many a times, I think, Kareem Hunt's going to get traded in the offseason, and Johnson's going to stay there, and he's a phenomenal receiving back, uh, but Chubb can do that as well. Uh, I do think that Johnson is going to be, if he stays, more of the receiving back than Chubb, but I think with the amount of workload that he is going to get running the ball and his talent, he is going to be a phenomenal running back this year and finish just outside the top five. Now we're here at five. I, I'm, I'm right about that, I believe. Who do you have at number five? You know, I... I'm going to be surprised if our top five is not almost exactly alike. Well, I mean, it has um, to be because there's no way you don't have the same five that I do. I'm just very interested to see if we have the same order. Yeah. Now, I, I'd like to think we do, but we probably, we probably our top three are probably going to be uh, switched around a little bit. Uh, at five, I've got David Johnson. Okay. So, yeah, we are already switched up, but go ahead. Oh, Okay. Very nice. Uh, I, I, I'm just, I, I want to believe in Johnson that he's going to bounce back uh, even higher, uh, but I'm not 100% sold on a rookie quarterback with a couple rookie wide receivers and a rookie head coach bringing in a college offense. So I'm not 100% sold. I think uh, I, if Cliff Kingsbury learned nothing in college, uh, he has to look at last year's tape from the first half of the season or whatever or it was, and he learned that Mike McCoy's run David Johnson up the middle against a, an eight- and nine-man box is not the way to go. Yeah. So DJ is an outstanding pass catcher. He's a great runner. He's got great vision. He can see the hole. Um, you know, St. Uh, Louis. Arizona has to – to fix some of their offensive line uh, woes that they had last year. Some of it, I think, is going to be fixed just by getting healthy. Um, but some of it th- is going to need to be schemed. And hopefully uh, they can do that and that they get David Johnson in space. I think Johnson is in line to get a lot of touches this year. Um, maybe, maybe more targets than we expect, and his touches come that way. But... Uh, but he's an exceptionally good pass catching back. So I, I have David Johnson at number five. I have Alvin Kamara at five. Um, so obviously finished as, or not obviously, but he finished as running back four last year with 354 points. Uh, and I do think Kamara is going to have a great year. Um, I, again, I, I'm not necessarily believing that he's going to be a workhorse back. I don't think he's built for that, but he is a phenomenal th- receiving threat. And he is just extremely hard to bring down in the open field. Dude has got moves for days. It's ridiculous. 
Uh, I think he is an awesome running back, and the only reason I have him at five is because I just believe in the other four more above him. I know that the Saints are going to be possibly a Super Bowl team, uh, and maybe they lean more heavily on the run, especially with the lack of receiving options that they have. Uh, But I do think that with bringing Latavius Murray in, he's going to get some of that um, rushing work, and I do think he's actually going to get some of that goal line work, although Alvin Kamara did get more red zone work than Mark Ingram did, which is a little bit surprising uh, when I found that out. But I still think Latavius Murray is going to eat in and, and vulture enough touchdowns from Alvin Kamara to allow my top four to get into the top four. So who do you have it for? I, I have Kamara at four. Uh, he's, uh, you know, he's not, yeah, I agree, he's not built to carry carry the ball 25 times but he is a, an exceptionally dynamic back and so if he's getting 15 carries and 6 to 10 targets he's shown that he's going to be a top top tier back uh, for me he's him him and Johnson are clearly in the second tier uh, I don't know uh I, I'm not sure if I'm ready to put, you know, I, you know, boy, I'm stuttering and staggering <laughs> here. Uh, it, uh, I think I'm going to go Kamara and Johnson in tier two alone, then mixing Gurley, Bell, Chubb in the next tier. Uh, but I like Kamara. I, I think he's shown that, you know, he's good in the red zone. He can, he can do, he, He's good in the red zone because he's got great vision, and he's exceptionally good at uh, avoiding tackles. You know, he's he he can get away. He he can juke like nobody's business. He's an he's one of the best ankle breakers in the NFL. So uh, for him, I think he's going to get probably more touchdown rushing touchdowns than w- we imagine because he does get those red zone carries. Uh, it's scheme versatility. When he's out there, you can throw the ball to him. You can run run the ball with him, and, and so that that sets your offense up to do multiple things because you don't have to telegraph. If they put Latavius Murray in, much like last year when they put Mark Ingram in, the defense knew it's it, the running backs either going to run the ball or they're going to throw the ball. Versus when you have Kamara in there. They could they could run that running back can run it or the running back can catch it, so they can do multiple things. Um, I like Kamara at four. Yeah, so I have Johnson at four. Um, the only I, I don't disagree with anything you said. I do think that he's going to have a phenomenal year again. He finished his RB nine last year with with really extremely bad offense and mostly guys pulled off the street at offensive line. If any of those guys can stay healthy that they lost last year, I think their offensive line is going to be better. I do think Kyler Murray is going to help open things up for him. He is not afraid to dump it down. Uh, you know, ask Trey Sermon out of Oklahoma. Dude was phenomenal last year. Got it was a good receiving threat, and I think David Johnson's even better. Uh, so I think Johnson will be able to get some good receiving work from Kyler Murray. I think Murray's going to help open things up because of Larry Fitch. You got Christian Kirk back healthy. I think those guys are going to be great down the field threats, opening hopefully some some lanes there for David Johnson as well, and them not having to load the box. So I think Johnson bounces back uh, and has himself a phenomenal year. So that's who I have at number four. 
Let's get down to the top three. It's it's probably not even probably. It has to be the same for anybody. I don't want to be be a jerk here, but if you don't have these three guys in your top three, I don't know what you're doing. I mean, these are the top three running backs in fantasy. I do think that it's a there is a fair argument to be made for each one of them, though, to be at number one. So who do you have at three? Well, at number three, it's probably going to shock you. Uh, but I've Rashad Penny. Okay. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I kill me. I kill me. Uh, I have Christian McCaffrey at number three. Okay, so do I. You know, I I think uh, you know, he has RB one potential. He he's a, a, he's an exceptional. You know, much like Kamara, he's an exceptional receiver. I think he's better at running the ball than Kamara, and and I. That shows in the number of touches he gets carrying the ball. Uh, but, you know, uh, Norv Turner did come out today and say that they needed to be smart with Christian McCaffrey's touches. Um, I don't know that they have anybody backing him up that uh, playing over McCaffrey is the quote-unquote smart move. You know, Cameron Artis Payne, Jordan Scarlett, and Elijah Holyfield, uh, I don't think you're going to mistake any of them as three down backs. Um, but, you know, if one of them shows that they're competent in getting, you know, short yardage first downs, then maybe it makes sense to give them some first or second down work to give them some short yardage carries and, and not have McCaffrey take that beating. Uh, but, you know, McCaffrey is... You know he's 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 really good, yeah. but I don't know that he's built. You know he's not one of those big guys. He put on some weight, he's put on some muscle, but I, I don't know that he's set up to be able to uh, carry the ball between the tackles twenty times a game. Yeah, I mean I. I... For the most part, agree with everything you just said. Uh, the only thing I differ on is I think McCaffrey can do anything. I, this dude is just a baller. I, I can't. I, I, I see no faults or, or anything in his game. The only reason I have him behind the two that I do is I think they're going to end up scoring more touchdowns than him. one of them is going to score more touchdowns, and I think the other one is just because they are. Li- he is literally the only option that that offense has. Uh, and the by far the best player on that entire team, it seems like at this point with the amount of injuries and everything else they have going on, uh, that I think he's just going to get so much work that he's going to outproduce McCaffrey. Though, as you said, I agree with you. There, there is no doubt in my mind that he could end up being the RB one this season. Uh, but for right now, I'm going to put him at three. Who do you have at two? At two, I have Saquon Barkley. Okay, interesting. So do I. So we have the same top three. Yeah, I. as much as I like Barkley, as much talent as he has, um, he is going to be in that situation uh, kind of like uh, David Johnson last year. Yeah. Where it's, that's that's all it is. You know, they're going to have, Gold, you know, Golden Tate and Saquon Barkley is very similar to uh, uh, David Johnson and Larry Fitzgerald last yeah. year. So, I while I like Barkley's talent, uh, you know, being a couple years younger than Elliott, uh, I, I just think he's in an offense that's going to handicap him 
and put him in position to where you know they have to give him the ball and hope hope he can just make a play because the rest of the team isn't good enough to put him in positive situations. So I lo- I love Barkley's talent and he's certainly going to get opportunities this year. Um, I feel like the offense in general is going to handicap him. Yeah, I, I'm right there with you on that 100. Uh, he, like I said, I, I, everybody knew who I was talking about when I just mentioned him above McCaffrey. Uh, I, I just think the touchdowns are going to regress a little bit here because I don't think that offense is going to get in the red zone enough to allow him to score. Though he he does have the ability to score just by touching the ball anywhere on the field. I, I do think his touchdowns are going to regress some. So that means, number one, we both have Ezekiel Elliott. Again, this is obviously us both assuming he doesn't hold out and and plays the full season. So give me your breakdown on why you think Zeke is going to be number one. Well, he's much like Barkley or McCaffrey. um, He's the guy in that offense from the backfield spot. There's – the other running backs just don't compare. Uh, Tony Pollard may be uh, a Duke Johnson-esque uh, receiving back, but Zeke Elliott caught a shit ton of passes last year. You know they've they've got uh, Amari Cooper, and I expect a big big gr- growth year from Michael Gallup. They've got Randall Cobb in the slot. Um, you know, Dak is a competent quarterback. I know you bash on him a lot. Um, I think Dak is going to have a career year this year, uh, in part because they're going to have a very balanced offense and they're going to be able to take some shots. But Zeke Elliott is—he's the engine that makes that motor go, and they don't have their. His extension is going to get done. It's not going to get done before the season starts. Uh, because when it comes to uh, extensions, Dak, Amari, and Zeke, that's the priority. And as while Amari is not a, you know, he's not, I, I would, or not Amari, where Dak is not going to set the quarterback bar, a new quarterback record, and he shouldn't, but he should be around QB5, QB6 in salary. I think that's what he brings to the table. That's what the market bears for him. Uh, I think Amari is, you know, Amari and Dak are a year along in their contracts. Uh, Zeke, if he doesn't come in by August 6th, his contract tolls. It doesn't get him any closer to free agency. So, and they've got to figure something out with him because, it, I, you know, he, he has the personality from what I've seen in his time at Ohio state and what I've seen in his time at, at in Dallas. Uh, if they don't get a contract done next year, he'll sit out next year. He'll yeah. be like, screw it. I'm going to Mexico and I'm going to hang out on the beach and y'all can write whatever you want about me. Um, so it's in their best interest to extend him, but he's going to get a running back extension. He's not going to get, you know, a wide receiver, or quarterback extension, and he's not going to get it before they before they do the extensions with uh, Cooper and with Prescott. 
Yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't sit out, he, he's been the leading rusher, um, obviously, both years that he played full 16 games. The other year, the only reason he didn't make it is because he was suspended for six games. The only thing that has held him back, too, is touchdowns. He He's just, for some reason, not scored a lot of touchdowns. I think that's going to up this year, again, if he plays all 16 games, which we are assuming he will do. At least this year, I think Zeke is in it for phenomenal years. You talked about he caught a bunch of passes. It was 70 last year. That's ridiculous. And nobody thought that Zeke would be catching 70 passes, uh, and I think it's going to be right around that as well. So he's going to be a huge PPR threat uh, this year. And again, if the touchdowns go up at all, he's, he should blow everybody out of the water and put up close to what Todd Gurley's godlike numbers looked like just a couple years ago. All right, guys, so that, that's going to do it for us today. Uh, before we cut out of here, a couple housekeeping notes. Uh, this might be the only episode that goes up live this week. Uh, me and Dennis have a special guest joining us on Thursday. We are going to be doing a full college preview show. And due to the length and amount of topics we want to touch on in that episode, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to get it up to you guys by Thursday or Friday. So I may save both of those uh, for the next week. Uh, we'll probably have to cut it into two episodes because we're literally going to touch on Every single conference, every single team, and a bunch of prospects for you guys to start watching now for your preparation for the 2020 draft. And if any of you are thinking about joining some Debbie leagues before the college football season starts, uh, we'll get you covered there as well. Uh, so again, this I can't week, wait to break down the Patriot League. Oh yeah, it's going to be super awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, like I said, I don't want to. I, I hate to, we hate to disappoint you guys because we know we've been putting out two episodes pretty much all off season, but this is just. It's going to be so much content, and I don't want to rush it. It's going to be a phenomenal couple episodes coming up with with our guest here. So this might be it. We I might be I might be able to get one up Thursday. So I don't want to commit to saying this will be the only one, but it likely will be. Um, other than that, that that's really it. We are obviously uh, Thursday have the first preseason game, technically the Hall of Fame game. So football is back. Um, I do want to throw this out there. Me, me and Dennis have been talking uh, about this a little bit in the offseason. So due to our schedules, um, when the season starts, we will be going to a, a five-day-a-week podcast like I did myself back in the beginning of last year when we first started this up. Dennis will be joining me Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Fridays for kind of all the breakdown stuff and then obviously all the preview stuff Friday. If anyone has any interest in possibly joining me to talk on Mondays and Thursdays, uh, hit me up on Twitter at SportsFanaticMB or send something to Dennis. Uh, we'd love to have you on an episode with us during the preseason and talk. And if you like it uh, and we can work something out, we, we'd love to, to have someone jump on. So it's not just me talking football Mondays and uh, Thursdays, but that's just due to, again, our schedules. We want to be able to get something out before the games Monday night and Thursday night come out uh, so that you guys can adjust your lineups accordingly based on that. We'll, we'll definitely get Dennis's Thursday night previews on Wednesday, but then if anything breaking happens on Thursday, we want to be able to, to adjust our thoughts on that. So, again, if anybody is interested, hit us up on Twitter. Uh, we, we're, we're looking for someone to possibly join us. If not, we'll, we'll run with what we've got. Obviously, me, Dennis, will be having some a lot of fun and, and some really, uh, you know, just information-packed episodes Tuesday, Wednesdays, and Friday, especially Fridays. Fridays, I think, are going to be the fun episodes for both of us because it did get a little, uh, I'm sure, uh, just 
kind of boring with me ranting on and on about certain games Fridays. It's going to be fun having both of us on there and breaking games down, especially with the, the different ways we look at certain players. So I'm excited for that. So Dennis, before we cut out of here, let everybody know where they can find you on Twitter and if you've got anything coming up with the Nerd Herd. Well, you can find me at culture underscore coach. I'm always lurking around, retweeting polls, answering questions. Feel free to shoot me a DM if you have any questions. Uh, we got, uh, you know, we're putting out a couple articles a day uh, over at uh, Dynasty Nerds. On if you uh, haven't joined the Nerd Herd, you should get on in there for a cost of a cost for the price of a cough. Well, that's easy for me to say. <laughs> for the price of a cup of coffee a month, you get extra podcasts from Rich and Garrett and Matt. You get uh, all of our consensus rankings. You can break them down. There's standard rankings. There's Devi rankings. There's rookie rankings. There's PPR, tight end premium rankings. Uh, you know, it's it's super flex rankings. There's rankings galore. You get the buy sell tool. You can see uh, what do all of us writers and uh, podcasters over uh, at Dynasty Nerds, what do we think you should do with guys? Should you buy them? Should you sell them? Should you hold them? Uh, you get all of that fun information. And uh, we just started talking about uh, uh, something new we might uh, be rolling out for the Nerd Hurt with, uh, that includes uh, season pro- seasonal projections. So those will be uh, something we're potentially going to be putting out. And then we've got, uh, you know, Rich talks about uh, coming up soon, the mock draft tool that will be live. Uh, uh, ha- ha- it will adjust. The rankings, uh, every time there, a draft occurs, the rankings will get updated. So, you know, that'll be coming soon as well. Yeah, all that is uh, is definitely worth the, the cup of coffee that it costs a month there to get it, guys. I'm telling you, it, it's worth every single penny. Don't don't waste any more time. Just go out there and do it. It'll be well worth your time, and you, you'll win multiple championships. And again, uh, then you'll just be able to keep paying for the thing because your winnings from your fantasy leagues will be like, 10 times what it costs to be a, a member of the Nerd Herd. So, obviously, uh, I, I had a Debbie article put out recently, if you're in Debbie Leagues. If you're not, check it out. And I had a link in there to uh, Mr. Garrett Price's thoughts on Debbie Leagues as well. Check that out. It's a lot more fun. Uh, something I think is going to be is going to catch on big in the next couple years. Uh, is uh, The way I would equate it is to the, the IDPs and su- what Superflexes were a couple years ago. Not a lot of people were talking about them, and now it seems like everybody's jumping into IDP and Superflex leagues. I do think that's the way that Devi is heading. It's it's a very fun league. Uh, I actually just joined my first few Devi leagues this year, and it's already been a ton of fun. Uh, so I appreciate the love on that article if you guys have time to read it. Other than that, you guys can catch me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. Again, hit me up with any of your fantasy questions, or or if you just want to tell me how wrong I am, I appreciate that too. Uh, And Dennis, uh, again, thank you so much for joining me today, and we're looking forward to having our special guest on Thursday. Right on. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Who can make a play? I can! Who can make a play?